Amen. Amen. So I actually uh, made a mistake. Uh, last week, we did not talk about Samuel's uh, farewell address. It was, it was about King Saul and him continuing to fight the Philistines. Well, that is exactly what is still happening today, but I wanted to talk about something that I think is a setup for this in some ways, and that is the funny rules in life that we have to follow. I'm sure if you were to ask yourself about different rules that you grew up with, you would all have maybe something in your home that you thought was silly. Something that always interests me are laws that still exist that make really no sense but are still a part of our culture. So I looked up some silly Colorado laws, and I'd like to read a few for you if you didn't know this. But if you lived in Pueblo and you grew dandelions, and those dandelions happened to be over 10 inches long, well, you'd be in trouble. If you were in the city of Boulder... It is permitted to insult, taunt, or challenge police officers until they ask you to stop. Another odd rule that I learned was that the public use of catapults, blowguns, and slingshots, and snowballs are unlawful in Aspen. Now that just makes me want to get a catapult, I don't know about you. But we all learn of silly things and silly laws that we really, we, we go, really, really? And if you didn't know this about me, for lunch, one of my favorite foods to eat is a sandwich. I'm a simple guy and I like a good sandwich. And just a few months ago, I was going to a sandwich shop, and I was trying to order on the cheaper side of that menu, so they were making my sandwich, and I got the cheapest sandwich that they could have, and I asked for mayonnaise on my sandwich, to which the person helping me out saying, well, we don't put mayonnaise on that sandwich. And I said, well, could you just add a little bit of mayonnaise for me? I mean, it's right there. Could you just put some on? Well, sir... This sandwich, we do not offer that condiment feature on it. And I said, well, how much do I have to pay to get mayonnaise on the sandwich? Sir, it is just not included with this option. And I'm literally just staring at him saying, really? Really? You're not going to put mayonnaise on my sandwich? Sir, we could provide you with mayonnaise, but we are not permitted to scrape this mayonnaise on this sandwich. So he hands me 10 mayonnaise packets to put on my sandwich myself after he's already made my sandwich. And I'm looking at these packets and I'm saying to myself, this probably cost way more than just going like this with his little knife and then just going like that. Silly rules that we create. You could think of probably some in your own life. Well, today we're going to look at a silly rule that was created by King Saul himself in 1 Samuel chapter 14. So if you're in, you turn your Bibles there to 1 Samuel chapter 14, specifically in verse 24. So Israel is continuing to war against the Philistines, and the battle is exhausting. And it picks up there, it says, Now the Israelites were in distress that day, because Saul had bound the people under an oath, saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. 
The entire army entered the woods, and there was honey on the ground. When they went into the woods, they saw the honey oozing out, yet no one put his hand to his mouth, because they feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard that his father had bound the people with the oath. So he reached out the end of the staff that was in his hand and dipped it into the honeycomb. He raised his hand to his mouth, and his eyes, what? Brightened. Then one of the soldiers told him, Your father bound the army under a strict oath, saying, Curse it be anyone who eats food today. That is why the men are faint. So they're fighting the Philistines, right? And Jonathan, who is King Saul's son, is a part of that battle. And things are going pretty well, despite their forces in some ways being outmatched by the Philistines. The Lord is giving them victory, and they're able to fight well against this army. But King Saul has it in his mind that he wants to be able to avenge himself. So he creates this rule, this oath, this law that everybody needs to follow. And that is is that nobody can eat until he gets his vengeance, at least until that evening. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm starting to see an issue in, seeing, in King Saul's character, right? That when he looks at this battle, he doesn't look at this battle as his nation, as himself being a representative of God in fighting the Philistines, but rather as this is an insult to him. So he makes this rule and forces everyone to follow it. And that, that leads me to ask the question, why does King Saul create this oath? And we don't really know why. Our best guess is, is most likely King Saul wants this rule, this oath, to allow God to give them favor, for this victory to be theirs. But it's really a wild request. I mean, to think about it. I mean, think about this, right? They're literally sacrificing their time away from their families. They're sacrificing, the people of Israel are sacrificing their time away from their families, their time away from their duties, and risking their lives to fight this battle on behalf of Israel, and the king is now forcing them in an exhausted state to not even eat food. So it's no surprise that in verse 28 it says, what about the soldiers? That they're faint. That the condition that they're in is not one of enthusiasm, or energy, but they're tired. Now, I have an important question to ask you guys that I think is really pivotal if we're going to get anything out of today, and that's this. Did God ask King Saul or the people of Israel to take this oath? I'll say it again. Did God ask the people of Israel to take this oath of not eating? 
Yeah, that's the quick answer. The quick answer is no. The people of Israel were in no way asked or commanded by God to do this very thing. But it all comes from who? King Saul himself. He's the one that is enforcing this oath onto all the people. And in some ways it shows just how poor of character King Saul is. C.S. Lewis says this much about people like this. He says, one of the marks of a certain type of bad man is that he cannot give up a thing himself without wanting everyone else to give it up. Now, more could be said about King Saul in this moment, but it's obvious that he is forcing these people to do terrible things all for his own ego. But really, I want to take some time to ask ourselves, do we still do this today? That is, what is King Saul really doing, and how do we reflect this back into our own lives? Because really, what does this oath in some ways represent now that we know that God never commanded them to do this? I would say that in some ways what this is, is a form of legalism. King Saul is creating a law, at least within this moment, that everybody needs to follow. And that if nobody, if you violate this law, you are going to be cursed. Your life is going to go bad. And I think many of us can relate to an issue of legalism in our lives. And what is legalism? Haddon Robinson he puts it like this. He was a preaching professor and spent even time at Denver Seminary. He, he puts it like this. Legalism is when the application of a principle is given all the force of the principle itself. Or as a pastor's translation, I would put it like this. In other words, when the rule becomes more important than the goal. When the rule becomes more important than the goal is how I would put it. Now, what was the goal for Israel? To be able to win this war against the Philistines, right? To be able to assert their independence and their own strength and hopefully in some ways continue to increase their kingdom in the region of Palestine. But what was the rule that was set in this, into motion in this situation? You cannot Eat. So what then became the focus of the nation? It was no longer winning this battle with the Philistines. It was just to try to get through because they were so exhausted. And in some ways, their eye in their position and what they were looking at shifted from looking at the fight, looking at the battle with the Philistines to what? They were looking now at how good the honey tasted legalism. And I think if we were to look at our own lives, our own situations, we would see these same issues persisting to today. 
If you were in the class, just uh, the Sunday school class that we had at 9.30, which we'll have for the next following weeks, three weeks, one of the things that was brought up is how sometimes there's churches that have the men sit on a certain portion of the, the congregation and the women sit on the opposite portion. My father reminded me of that when he was growing up. That was a rule for them, that the women had to sit on one side and the men had to sit on the other. Another rule that I remember my parents telling me, because they grew up in more charismatic Pentecostal church was the women had to wear long dresses and they couldn't, they couldn't have makeup and they had to keep their hair a certain length. And my father, for instance, wasn't allowed to watch a movie at the movie theater because they couldn't sit, sit in the seat of sinners. Now maybe, maybe you can make some arguments in favor of doing those things. You know, you read 1 Timothy, for instance, and you learn about the importance, especially if you're a woman, of not overly worrying about your appearance and making that the primary focus of your life. And it is true, some people care so much about their appearance that almost everything else pales in comparison, including their character. Maybe you can argue that, yes, there's definitely some movies that we don't want to watch, right? But when the rule becomes more important than the goal, then what we end up doing to ourselves is we end up creating for ourselves a burden that the Lord never wanted us to have. And that is a principle, that is a struggle that we still face today, both inside and outside of the church. And chances are you can even think of something right now that you were told was a sin or told was wrong, whether it was inside of the church or outside of the church, that you had to in some ways grow up from. But why is this so important? And why am I in some ways talking about this today? Well, it's because my big idea for today is that legalism weakens us. Legalism weakens us. And I want to take some time to really show how it weakens us as we continue to read more scriptures. In fact, Deuteronomy 4.2 says this, Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but Keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You see, legalism weakens us because it takes our focus off of the goal of where God wants us to be, and it causes us to fixate on what? The rule. It's why in the gospel narrative, when Jesus was healing people, right, and he was offering freedom to people, why the Pharisees would come to Jesus and criticize his ministry. So, for instance, when Jesus healed somebody on a Sabbath, the Pharisees and other uh, leaders would criticize Jesus for what? For working on a Sabbath. And then what does Jesus rightly tell the people that are criticizing him? 
Man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. It was created to offer us an understanding that we as people cannot spend every single moment of our lives working, that we need to be able to find ways to rest. And more specifically, to clear out time to rest, to think and meditate on the Lord. It's why on Sundays we take time to gather here, why we in some ways clear our schedules so that we as a church can come into this building and gather together, hear God's word, and allow the Lord to change us by hitting pause in making this space for ourselves to grow in our relationship with God. Legalism weakens us. So what happens next to Jonathan? Jonathan said, my father has made trouble for the country. You see, Jonathan, even though King Saul, as we'll see in the future, is considered a bad king, Jonathan at least has more character than his father and recognizes that what his father is doing in this moment is bad. It's troublesome for the country. And he says this, see how my eyes brighten when I tasted a little of the honey? How much better would it have been if the men had eaten today some of the plunder they took from their enemies? Would not the slaughter of the Philistines have been even greater? So what happened to Jonathan when he ate the honey? What happened? What did it say? Scripture said that his eyes brightened. It was good for him to take of some of that plunder, to enjoy some of that food, to enjoy the honey that he saw on the ground that in some ways he could say, thank you, Lord, for giving me this. But you see, legalism weakens us, and it doesn't just weaken us, but it also takes away from the Lord doing work in our eyes. And look here, I, I need to confess, I don't, I, I, I don't think the author's full intent is to remind us of this, but I think it's shown at least in scriptures in this way, because Jonathan's eyes are able to become brightened from taking the honey. And here's the thing, if you're living by a law that is not a true command of God, it is going to weaken you, but it's also going to prevent you from tasting what God has for you. You see, oftentimes we look at God's word and we think about everything that it prevents us from having in life. But we need to realize as well that there are so many things that God is blessing us toward. An example of this is obviously family, marriage, so many beautiful things that God wants us to pursue and to enjoy, to be able to have that experience of eating the honey and having eyes brighten. But so many of us create rules for ourselves that the Lord isn't even calling us to. What are some legalistic rules in your life that God never called you to, but that you're still living under the thumb of. 
Are you a woman and think that you can't serve the Lord in a strong capacity because you were taught that, well, we don't let women be leaders in church? Or do you grow up in a situation where maybe a legalistic rule was set up on your family? Well, our family, we're just not those kinds of people. We don't do these kinds of things. We don't go and go seek higher education. Maybe it's something totally different from what I described, but you know what it is. And I'm not just talking about having alcohol. <laughs> You see, I believe that the Lord wants us to be free, but legalism weaks us, weakens us because it creates sin where there is no sin. Legalism weakens us by creating sin where there is no sin. So, Jonathan, was it wrong for him to have the honey? No. But the rule was set forth. So then, did it become wrong? Well, in some ways it did, because his whole entire army, the people around him, were believing that this was now wrong. But you see, I believe that Christ is the honey of life, and Christ wants us to be able to be set free. One of the beautiful things that happened to me when I first became a Christian was just learning and experiencing the freedom of God. I mean, it might be hard for you to, at least I hope it's harder for you to understand, but I remember just having so much anger bottled up as a teenager. And when I became a Christian, just feeling the Lord change my life from the inside out, and that anger just started to go away. And I was so thankful to the Lord for setting me free from that. So what happens next? In verse 31 it says, That day after the Israelites had struck down the Philistines from Michmash to Ajalon, they were exhausted. They pounced on the plunder in taking a sheep and cattle and calves. They butchered them on the ground and ate them together with the blood. Then someone said to Saul, look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that has blood in it. Here's the next reason why legalism weakens us. Legalism weakens us by opening us up to what? To sin. Think about it. Think about it. Had they just not dealt with this oath at all, they most likely would have had enough substance to be able to handle this situation. But because they were in so much of a weakened state because of this law, this oath that Saul created, what happened? They saw the animals, and they just started pouncing on them. They lost all self-control because they were so tired and hungry that all they can keep in their mind was, I need to eat. And that's what happens oftentimes with legalism. We're trying so hard to 
do this law that we created for ourselves that we don't realize that because God didn't create that law, he can't give us the strength to fulfill it because it's not what he cares for us to do. So what does that mean? That means that we then need to do what? We need to then operate out of our own strength instead of operating out of the strength of the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation like that? You see, I want to operate out of God's strength and not my own strength. So in order to do that, I need to make sure that I'm living out my faith the way God wants me to. Because otherwise, the only way I can be successful at following a legalistic rule is if I do it out of my own strength. But the problem there is it'll open me up to sin because I will become exhausted. You've seen this happen, where someone tries so hard to not do something, and finally when they get a little bit of freedom, or it's, uh, they're in a context where nobody's looking, they just go crazy. We need to be living out our faith, not in our own strength, but in God's strength. Amen? Legalism weakens us. So what happens next? But the men said to Saul, should Jonathan die? He who has brought about this great deliverance in Israel? You see, what happens next is King Saul realizing that the men are now eating these animals, that they want to continue to fight the Philistines it seems like God is totally quiet now. They start to try to figure out what is going on. So they eventually start casting lots to figure out what's going on, and they realize that Jonathan is the one that broke the oath. So Saul, being ready to kill his own son, is halted by his, his troops and says, stop. Don't do this. Why would you let Jonathan die? He is the one who has brought about the great deliverance in Israel. As surely as the Lord lives, not a hair on his head will fall to the ground. For he did this today with God's help. So the men rescued Jonathan and he was not put to death. But listen to what happens next in verse 46. What does it say here? It says, then Saul stopped pursuing who? The Philistines, and they withdrew to their own land. So legalism weakened them so much that they were willing to destroy. They, they were willing to kill and destroy somebody who was literally doing the work of God. Now think about that. Have you seen that happen before? Have you seen, unfortunately, whether it's inside or out the church, outside of the church, I know I've seen it in both, where a rule that is nothing that God wants us to follow ends up destroying a good person? Church, we need to make sure 
the beliefs that we hold are truly honoring to God because the consequences could be too grave. And what else happened in addition to this? The reason why I highlighted verse 46 so carefully is because it says specifically they stopped pursuing the Philistines because what? Because they were so focused on this oath that King Saul created that they lost focus on what the goal was. The rule became more important than the goal. And in some ways, they stopped doing the work of God. Church, if we're not careful, and if we create rules for ourselves that God does not want us to follow in this church, if we create idols for ourselves that God does not want us to have in this church, then what are the consequences? Well, most likely, we are going to, instead of focusing and working towards the goal, we're going to be hurting ourselves and failing to do what God is calling us to do. So this is not just a problem for our own individual lives, but it becomes a problem for our own church. Church, I want us as a community to be known for seeking out God's kingdom in this place for loving those that need to be loved, for discipling those who are willing to put their faith in Jesus, and for being known as a faith people that takes the Great Commission seriously of going forth and making disciples of all nations and sharing that beautiful truth with them of what Jesus has done in our lives. Which is why... I'd like to finally say that legalism weakens us by preventing us from achieving all that God has in store. You see, we don't know what would have happened if King Saul never made this oath. We can only speculate, but because we see so clearly in Scripture that this oath caused them to get so wrapped up in fulfilling this legalistic oath that Jonathan in some ways got put on trial. The people can actually sinned against God by eating the blood of an animal which they should have never have done. And they got so wrapped up in this that it's obvious that they lost their pursuit of what they came to do. And that is fight this battle with the Philistines. And church, don't let legalism cause you to lose your focus on everything God wants you to achieve. Amen? This is hard to do because the reality is is that we need to realize that in some ways we all play a part in this. Because we all need to take the time to think about the legalistic rules that we create for ourselves. We need to think about the legalistic rules that we create for ourselves and that we allow to continue to perpetuate. Sometimes that can be as simple as being overly opinionated over how people dress. What songs are sung in worship? 
what type of instruments we allow on a stage. And I'm not just saying in this church, I'm just saying that's a general thing. Any church you go to, that's the problem you hear, how loud the music is. And don't get me wrong, we don't want it too loud. <laughs> we don't want to hurt our ears. I think I'm a little deaf from some of the churches that I served at. But you see what I'm saying? Where we make that more important than the mission of God. And we can't do that, church, because the mission of God is so important. What God wants you to achieve in your life is so important that we do not need to let anything get in our way. Amen? So for this week, I think the best thing that we can do in approaching this is to take time to think about our past life, to think about those times where maybe a rule was placed over our lives that was legalistic, and then to ask ourselves, are we still living as if God is calling us to accept that rule? Or is there another rule that we've created for ourselves, something that we hold in such high esteem that we almost treat it as one of the Ten Commandments of God? And then we need to take the time to say, Lord, forgive me for doing that. Help me to give that up and to not allow that to exist in my life because I want to follow what you have for me. I want to focus on the goal and not the rule. This is what Christ, I believe, liberated us from. The rule. Not that the rules don't matter in His Word, but rather when we seek Him, life has a natural way of being able to organize itself. Will you do that for me this week? Let's pray.